Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back here on The First Team. Take that smile off your face, Ryan. Welcome back to The First <laughs> Team. I'm Joe DeLeon. Joining me as always, former NFL and college QB, founder of the Sims Complete QB, Matt Sims, and Irish Breakdown recruiting analyst, Ryan Roberts. Matt also just launched a new show on the network, The Sims Complete Show with his father. First episode's great. By the way, everyone should go check that out. I, I before we go down any tangent, I do want to ask that: How did the, in your opinion, how did the first taping go with your dad? Did it go as expected, or yeah, you, it went nice well. One? It went well. I uh, it was really cool to share uh, that experience with him and continue to share that experience, uh, our love for the game, and uh, we didn't have too many conflicting opinions the first episode, but uh, <laughs> it'll only be a matter of time before father and son butt heads uh, naturally in that show. Well, we're uh, we're excited for it. Very interesting concept. Getting to hear you and your dad, Phil Sims, talk about the NFL and more today. We're going to be sharing our top performers from the week of five, week five of college football. That being Ray <laughs> Davis from Kentucky, who had an insane game against Florida. Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss, and Brock Bowers, the tight end for Georgia, who is going to be in that top prospect conversation for the 2024 NFL Draft. We have to start off with Ray Davis from Kentucky, who had statistically one of the best days in the history of SEC football. 26 carries, 280 yards, three touchdowns. A player who started at Temple, transferred to Vanderbilt, ends up at Kentucky, and has been off to a historic start to the year. One that some argue maybe has placed him in that early Heisman conversation if he continues this trajectory. Ryan, I want to go to you first talking about his performance. I'm starting to get some vibes of not on his play st style, but his circumstance of Kenneth Walker, where Kenneth Walker goes from Wake Forest after having a good career, goes to Michigan State, has then an amazing finish, is in that Heisman buzz, and then now is a very impactful player for the Seattle Seahawks. Your thoughts on Ray Davis from well, week one? It, it's been a or week five. Sorry, it's been a fascinating climb for Ray Davis, who obviously, like you mentioned, has been on his third football, third college football team, starting his career at Temple, ending up at Vanderbilt. Was actually an All SEC running back at Vanderbilt, and still decided to transfer to Kentucky this last season. I remember him, Joe. I don't know if, if you remember this, but he was actually a uh, he went to Blair Academy in New Jersey, which oh. is where like Odafe Owe came from. And I remember him coming out of high school because at that time he was still Raymond Davis and not Ray Davis. He had not changed to Ray Davis yet exclusively, but he was a really talented kid. And I remember when he was at Temple, he was kind of a dynamic kid, right? Like he caught the football, made guys miss in space a ton. Then he ends up, I think he tours ACL his sophomore year, but then he ends up going to Vanderbilt and he just kind of becomes this like, Turner, right? Like this guy that's a little bit of a grinder. He averaged only like four and a half yards of carry last year, still one over a thousand yards. But then you see him this week at Kentucky and so far this year at Kentucky. And he just has a little bit of a different gear than what we saw at Vanderbilt mm -hmm. over the last couple of years. He looks like he has finally gotten that explosiveness back. And more importantly, he's on a better team with a better offensive line. That's getting him a little bit more wide open opportunities in the, in the run game. I mean, you, you've seen historically, I mean, this happens almost every week where a running back has a great game and he averages about 10 yards a carry. It happens, right? But it's not usually on 26 carries. Like my guy averaged 20, <laughs> uh, ran the ball 26 times and averaged well over 10 yards a carry and just blew the doors off of what's a pretty strong front for the University of Florida. I mean, they got dudes up there that are massive. I mean, one kid's 435 pounds. 
You have the, the transfer from Memphis, Cameron Jackson, who's the smaller guy at 6'6", 360 pounds. Kelvin Banks, a defensive tackle, also 6'6", 320 pounds. So there's a lot of beef up there, man. And Kentucky dominated the front, and Ray Davis was the beneficiary, man. So many long touchdown runs. I'm just more than anything, I'm happy for him ending the career off the way that he is so far. And I'm happy after playing behind a less than stellar Vanderbilt offensive line over the last couple of years. He gets to play behind a really good one and show his talents this year. Yeah, it's amazing what playing for a better football team and a more organized program will do for a football player. Uh, and, and it's just uh, a really great story. And it's good to hear that, too. This is a guy that's obviously been around the country and finally found a home and where he can be appreciated and utilized in the proper way to uh, really highlight his talents. You know, a few of the notes that I took from watching the game, great pad level throughout the football game. You know, constantly had his, his shoulders over his toes. He's always leaning forward. He was always driving for that extra yard or two. Uh, the other aspect that I really thought was great by by his play is that just he ran his feet aggressively against contact on a lot of runs. So there was a lot of runs where he was getting contacted near or by the line of scrimmage, and he was running through those on the ones that weren't uh, such explosive runs, right? Then it was great blocking up front, like Ryan mentioned, great scheme. They kept going to the well over and over because it never dried up. No. And really what highlighted his impressive day was the fact that when he had one-on-one -on -one opportunities in multiple times versus safeties, versus linebackers in space, he won every single one of them. And, mm. and that's what you want in, in a running back, right? You want that one-on-one -on -one opportunity to always go in the favor of the offense. He did that. The one time that he went untouched uh, for his long touchdown run was, uh, what was it, about 70 yards or so? 75, yeah. That was yeah. great. It was great blocking, and then it was just great overall speed, you know, because we've seen that so many times, especially in the college game today. Guys break through that line of scrimmage. There's such great speed on the back end. They get caught, you know, near the goal line. He really turned on the boosters and, and ran extremely well. So an impressive showing by the Kentucky offensive line and a great performance by Ray Davis capitalizing on that great scheme and performance too. And, and a quick shout-out, Joe, to Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator for Kentucky, because Mark Stoops has done a tremendous job as the coach for Kentucky. But the offense yeah, looked right. a little bit anemic last year when Cohen went out to L.A. with the Los Angeles Rams for a year. But the two years that the last two years that he's been the offensive coordinator, 2021 and now 2023, that offense looks like it has something to him. So that is one of the best offensive coordinators in college football, Liam Cohen, in my opinion. And they knew to just keep riding – that hot hand. I think the craziest part about this game in general was that every single time he touched the ball, you're, you're watching, you're thinking, oh, he, there's no way that he's going to continue just to pick up five yards, <laughs> right. six yards as easily as he is. And it seemed like every single time he touched the ball, it was a first down. He was unscathed, as you were talking about, Matt, with the offensive line performance. And then the way that he was running so aggressively, so hard, it made things difficult. And that was a total punch you in the mouth type of a game for Florida, for a young team that when they've been punched in the mouth, they haven't exactly countered. So the approach, the aggressiveness really played into Davis's play style that he was able to put up such a historic day. Ryan, you had a final thought? Well, I was going to say this, and, and Matt, I would love to hear your insight on this, but I think actually think the craziest part of this game was that Kentucky handled and dominated Florida, and the starting quarterback for Kentucky, Devin Leary, threw for only for 69 yards, and they did that to them. <laughs> I like, think he only had seven completions on the day. Insane. But it, 
And that's where just, you know, you, you got to credit just the play calling and just understanding what the situation of the day was. They were winning at the line of scrimmage. They had a great concept for the blocking schemes. And, and Ray Davis' patience on a lot of those power runs that were slower developing plays um, that weren't his maybe his biggest runs of the day, yep. those were also extremely detrimental against Florida because they were always on schedule on first and second down. So our second guy, another running back who had an amazing performance, Quinchon Judkins from Old Miss against LSU, goes for 33 carries, 177 yards, and one touchdown. I think that this game and the way that he played is even more exciting because Judkins had been slow to start the year. Last year, he burst onto the scene as a freshman. He was starting to build momentum. And coming into the year, everyone was saying, this is the top returning running back in the SEC, but offensive line problems for Ole Miss hindered his progress. He didn't really have a good first couple of games. And what happens, going up against a bit of a porous LSU defense, he takes full advantage of it. Quinshawn Judkins is one of those dudes who runs angry. He runs hard. He's downhill. <laughs> he was carrying dudes. There were some really soft tackle attempts where he said, no, 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 I'm going to blow right through you and pick up some extra <laughs> yards. There was even the one pl play that I tweeted about where he seemingly moved the first down line he was running so hard that the first down marker on the screen <laughs> followed him into the end zone. So uh, Quinchon Judkins, amazing, amazing day. Matt, I want to kick it to you first here. Your thoughts on Judkins. Uh, ran, like you said, extremely strong and physical, especially against second-level and third-level defenders. Uh, he was the one that was actually hitting the defenders on a lot of those runs. Mm. And uh, there's two plays that I think really highlight just kind of like his impact on the game because there was a lot of plays where he didn't really gain any yards and actually lost a few. Uh, but they kept going back to him consistently throughout the game, and he was able to wear out the LSU defense with his physicality. And the, the first one was in the second quarter with 10 minutes left in the game. They ran a little toss zone scheme. And this is the play where he kind of inserted right into the middle of the line of scrimmage. And as the ball was being stripped away from him, he spun with the strip and then was able to accelerate off of that spin move and then stiff arm the free safety for another 15 yards on it. So that was a phenomenal play and a great just one-man effort on a play that probably should have gone for maybe six or seven yards typically with most running backs. Uh, and then there's the fourth quarter run, which kind of highlighted, you know, that Marshawn Lynch type of attitude of like, eventually he's just going to keep wearing them out. Fourth quarter with 552 left. They run like a little power zone scheme again. Um, it's second and four in, in the red zone area. And he just absolutely trucks a linebacker and a safety to get it first and goal. So, you know, a lot of just physical attitude plays by him when there wasn't much space to be had he really did a great job of wearing out this LSU defense on, on multiple occasions so you know the physicality of Judkins was was legit and probably the highlight uh, of the performance well I, I think I think one of the biggest misnomers about Lane Kiffin as an offensive coordinator because his quarterback because his system excuse me is so quarterback friendly is that it's it's a little bit of like a I don't want to say air raid because it's a di completely different scheme but it's a it's an offense that steers in the passing a little bit more from a volume perspective, and it's not true. It's not. I mean, yeah. historically, Lane very Kiffin, much like Phil Longo and, yeah, and his yeah. career and how people view him. Very similar. Yeah. yeah, even though when Phil Longo was his best in North Carolina to that point, shut up, Joe. Um, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. <laughs> I, it was an inside joke before the show. Yeah, everyone gets it. Uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter were the bell cows for that system that really made that thing go. Uh, quarterback is always going to get the credit at the end of the day. 
but it was about the running game that really got things started. And I think that was the biggest difference. Like I picked Ole Miss actually to upset Alabama the week before, but as soon as I saw that Ole Miss was not able to run the ball against Alabama, I'm just like, it's going to get ugly here, right? Because there's no balance. I think that Lane Kiffin's offense is really predicated on balance. The minute that I saw the run games going, balance can now ensue because Jackson Dart has quietly been playing good football this year. Like he's been playing pretty well, a lot better than he did the previous year. He's been running the ball well. He's been throwing the ball a lot more consistently. So when you have that balance, I think that Ole Miss could beat any team in the country when they have that type of balance. It's just that they don't always have it, especially this year. So they obviously got off to that great start. They rode a great player in Quinshawn Judkins to the victory here. And we saw that on any given Saturday, anyone can win in the SEC right now, in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. I think it's that wide open. Parity is an all-time high in college football, and I think the SEC is a, is a great great example of that right now. Make sure you check out Bet Online for all of your sports betting needs. For anything that I do betting-related, I go on over to betonline.ag, and I use promo code BELIEVE50. BetOnline has all of the latest updated odds, the NFL and college football seasons, anything you need, whether it's futures, live in-game betting, no matter what, your football betting needs are met at Bet Online. And again, make sure you use that promo code Believe50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. One thing I want to highlight too, you know, just as far as the player and Judkins, what I thought was another, you know, thing that people should be paying attention to is just his, his speed to power. You know, like we Mm -hmm. say about this all the time with pass rushers, you know, they use that speed to power rush. This dude is the same exact way too. He is using that speed to gain all that momentum so that he can just you know, put a lot of pressure on defensive backs to be aggressive at the point of attack, which a lot of those guys, you know, typically shy away from. And it showed in this game as the game continued to go on. uh, I mean, he had 33 carries on the game. So they felt it too. They felt the importance of that physicality of kind of speeding up the clock too uh, in certain situations and giving the football because it was very effective in wearing out the LSU defense. And he is a great example because people hyper-focus on recruiting rankings too much. Quinshaw Judkins was a consensus three-star recruits coming out of high school as well. So if you can play, they'll find you and you can contribute. Right. I mean, he was a three-star freshman, true freshman that came on to lead the SEC in rushing. Like that's it's insane. It's, ex- it's exemplary. Like there's no, there's not enough yeah. words to just show how incredible that is and what the start he's gotten off to his Ole Miss career. Yeah, if they want to continue this run and put out more games like that, not the egg that they laid against Alabama, they got to find more ways to get him yards, get him the football. It seems like they completely went away from that for the first few weeks. Even when they struggled against Tulane, he didn't have that many touches or much production. Instead of bailing, you got to really let a guy like this get into a rhythm. And we saw that when Quinchon Judkins is in a rhythm, he is still one of the best backs in all of the SEC. Another SEC player. Look at that. We have three SEC players. Ryan is just so Steve, excited that steer, we've got steering three. into Joe's bias right here. Just steering three. <laughs> I have no affiliation with the SEC. Uh, three SEC guys. Brock Bowers, the tight end from from Georgia, had a not a slow start to the year, but had a couple of games against lesser opponents where he wasn't super involved. And you're starting to get this sense that maybe not that Mike Bobo is overthinking things, but has not done what we would have expected to just get your best playmaker the football. And Bowers against Auburn, I think we could argue, 
almost single-handedly won them the game. Carson Beck played really, really well for some of the offensive limitations that they have, but the big plays that Bowers made in spots where they needed touchdowns, he stepped up to the plate and helped them win that football game, a game that was a possible upset situation for them. He finishes with eight receptions, 157 yards, and one touchdown. And we're continually reminded that Brock Bowers is one of the most well-rounded tight end prospects that we've had come out in a long time. He's not Darnell Washington as a blocker, but he's a impactful one. He can still provide some impact, but the receiving threat that he has makes him an unguardable player, which is very rare to say in the landscape of college football. Man, I want to kick it to you first here on this one. Uh, what did you get from Brock Bowers in this game and your thoughts on him in general? I was reminded again of why he would have been the first uh, tight end taken in the NFL draft a year ago. Uh, and he will be the first NFL, uh, the tight end, uh, first uh, one taken in this year's NFL draft too. Excuse me. Um, the dude is just a phenomenal football player. His awareness, his route running, his ability to catch the football, you know, as cleanly as he does for such a big guy. And then to be able to accelerate and run through arm tackles is just, it's uncanny. You really don't see it a lot right now and, and in any team in any you know and form of football so this dude to me is just like an absolute superstar if they can get him the football more often this is a guy that to me like is capable of being a Heisman trophy winner type of player you know unfortunately they just haven't found opportunities to get him the football enough but I think this is the recipe for this Georgia Bulldogs team throw the ball more like, throw it 30 to 40 times a game. Like, it has to be. I think that's their best recipe for success. Brock Bowers on two of the plays. The one that I want to highlight in the fourth quarter with 14-25 left in the game, they ran a little seam pass. They put him in motion. He does, like, a little fake block and runs the seam down the left sideline. And the ball was thrown low on his back hip. He completely turns his body 180 degrees, catches it off the back hip very seamlessly, and then is able to transition, make a guy miss, and then run through two arm tackles for an extra 15 to 20 yards. There's just not many football players in the country right now at any level that are doing things like that. Uh, and then the other one, too, like in the fourth quarter, let's just face it, the dude went off. He had two unbelievable one-hand catches. The other one was mm -hmm. later in that same drive on a seam where he turned, caught it with his right hand all the way about a, a yard behind himself while he was covered well. And then the one over the middle where he literally snagged it out of the air uh, was just unbelievable. So this dude is a phenomenal football player. Um, you know, my father says all the time, you know, about Mark Bavaro when he's covered, he's still open. He is the example of that too. When he's covered, he's still open, throw him the football because this is a guy that can catch in traffic and still accelerate for game changing plays after Joe, you know what college Mark Bavaro went to Notre Dame, baby. Notre Dame, oh, baby. Yeah. That's it. Here we Always go. Comes back. <laughs> I, I have two hot takes. Couldn't let the SEC get its shine on this show. You to bring up Notre Dame, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's after, right. After. <laughs> Two, two hot takes I have on this one. One, regardless of position, Brock Bowers is the best player in college football. That's one. That's my that's – my Not a hot take. I, I, some yeah. people would think mm -hmm. so. Some people would, would – some people would say <laughs> I would Caleb agree Williams with you too. and Marvin Harrison Jr. And there's, there's conversation there. Here's the real hot take, though. In the last 30 years, Brock Bowers is the best tight end prospect that we have seen in the last 30 years. That's, that's the hot take because I'm thinking back to – some of the big names that have come out during my lifetime, because I'm 31 years old. So my lifetime, we're thinking of guys recently like Kyle Pitts, TJ Hawkinson. Then you're going to go back to guys like 
J- Kellen Winslow Jr., Jeremy Shockey, mm. those types of guys. And I just I can't remember a guy that just seemed to be this seamless of a great football player and ability to make that transition to next level. At 6'4", 240 pounds, he is a good blocker for his size. You'd be very surprised about the movement that he can create, especially in space. But the difference of just the stop-start acceleration that he has for a player player of his position and his size profile, it's rare. I mean, rare is the only word that you can come with with a guy like a Brock yeah. Bowers. This kid is special, and I, I, I don't blame it necessarily. You know, Mike Bobo didn't need him in the first couple games of the year. It's like, why would I... You know, why would I risk my best asset against some of the worst teams that I play? But we saw when the back was against the wall this past weekend and they were tied and they were behind throughout most of this football game, who was the guy that they needed to step up and who was the guy that that did step up in the end with over 150 yards? It's Brock Bowers, best player in college football, Mm. in my opinion. I don't think it's a hot take. I I really don't. And I've gone as far as to say this when we did – or summer scouting that I finished with Brock Bowers as my top prospect. Look, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is an amazing football player, and Caleb Williams is going to be uh, a serious problem for yep. opposing defenses to have to deal with. But there's just there's nothing like Brock Bowers right now in the NFL that can do both things at a high level or a high enough level. You don't need a tight end to be a downhill bruising blocker anymore. You just need him to be able to block well enough. And I think that he shows enough of an intent that he can get better at it. My big thing, last year we tried to paint Dalton Kincaid as the next Travis Kelsey. And I think that realistically, Brock Bowers is the closest thing to that athletically and as a receiver where he can attack you vertically. He has the speed and the athleticism to... um, to really challenge defenses that he has to be effectively accounted for. Otherwise you're going to give up 150 plus yards and you're going to have a lot of problems. And that then opens up other guys to get uh, available. This group of receivers for Georgia right now, it's unexciting because they're dealing with injuries and the way that they're going to continue to get better is those guys being open because there's double attention being placed on Brock Bowers. Well, and, and look at the impact that Sam Laporte has had for the Detroit Lions so far this year. I mean, he yep. is by far uh, one of the most explosive young rookies on the scene, uh, besides maybe C.J. Stroud, right, who's performing at an all-time high across the NFL, rookie and veteran alike. So, you know, the list that Ryan mentioned earlier, too, it, it is kind of like it, all those players had to kind of go through it to have their successes, for the game to evolve, to give the tight end position its its proper due, especially in this modern age with with passing to the tight end more, for yep. Brock Bowers to now sit at the top of the mountain. And and it wouldn't have been possible without the Jeremy Shockeys of the world, you know, and, and all the other great tight ends that have come, you know, uh, before him and after him. So Brock Bowers is, uh, you know, he's unique. He is a one-of-one and, you know, at the same time, it wouldn't have been possible without some of the guys that he mentioned earlier for, for us now to view this position the way that we do for offensive uh, skill position and, and offensive minds to think about this position. So uh, he's, he's a dynamic force, man. He is awesome to watch. 
Well, I actually looked back at my summer scouting notes on him, Joe, and you remember the guy that I actually compared Brock Bowers to was Kellen Winslow Jr. I think that athletically they're that's what it was similar-ish. You know, like they're not the biggest guys in the yeah. world, but they're they've kind of that rare acceleration that you just don't see too often. Because I mean, I, I even think about yeah. Kyle Pitts that came out a couple years ago. Kyle Pitts was incredibly fast, right, and long, but it took him a few steps to get up to his top speed. Like he wasn't a, a instant start type of type of athlete, right. instant acceleration. The rare part about Brock Bowers is you could throw him screens. You can give him end arounds because he gets up to his top speed yeah. so fast. He's just he's rare, man. You just don't see many athletes like this in college football. And or it's football anywhere. speed, too. Yeah. That's the mm-hmm. difference. It's football speed, like Devon Achan, right? It's football speed, and it's it, what is on the clock is what you see on the field, too. Exactly. He is going to be such a freaking problem in the NFL, and I'm excited to see where he goes. <laughs> I, look, I I'm, I know that this might open a can of worms as I'm wrapping this up, but wouldn't be shocked <laughs> if he doesn't end up going later than we expect, but he's good enough to be a top five pick at Joe DeLeon, at Sims Complete QB, at Rise and Draft. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.